Well, we are uh, we are excited about this morning. I'm excited about September. I'm not sure about you, but um, college football started this week, and I was really, really excited. I watched ASU beat the mighty Portland State last night. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. Just kind of like it's kind of like watching Oregon just wallop the snot out of. <laughs> Holy moly! Did, does New Mexico have a football team? I'm not sure. I just, I'm just curious. I, I, I'm a, I, I cheer for the locals, but uh, I'll tell you what. Wow, I was, I was. <laughs> there's nothing else to say. But what happened? What I mean? Did they send one of the Apple kids out there to play? It was. It was. Ugly. I know. I'm sorry. I've gone too far. I've hurt somebody's feelings now. I'm going to get an email tomorrow. It's okay. I'll be at Lives of Blaze. Um, this morning, uh, I, am, I am really, really excited about what we're going to talk about. And um, I've been, been kind of chomping at the bit to talk about this one for about three weeks. And God has really laid it on my heart. And, and uh, um, the funny thing is, though, we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel. And uh, I'm sure there's not a whole lot of you who are like, hey, I was reading that this morning, as a matter of fact. So um, what I've done is uh, I'm going to give you ahead of time Ezekiel chapter 37 is where we're going to be at, in case you don't have your concordance. It's, here it is, Genesis all the way through, and Ezekiel's the yellow one. So if you're in the general vicinity of, uh, of the three columns, that way you know where Ezekiel's at. And we're going to, uh, going to take a look at Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, Ezekiel is... If you haven't had a chance to, if maybe you're, you're not one who, who reads the Bible regularly, um, maybe you don't even know how to do it or something like that, Ezekiel's a great story. It's a great story about a great man that God used in a lot of different ways. And if you, uh, if you haven't started reading the Bible on a regular basis and you just want to see something cool, Read about Ezekiel. What, what Ezekiel does is really pretty cool in the way God calls him. Because really what was going on is the Israelites were rebelling against God. And God calls out Ezekiel and says, hey, I need you to preach to these guys and tell them what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be a prophet and you're going to tell them there's something coming up if you don't get your lives right. Well, Israel didn't listen. The fall of Jerusalem happened. And, uh, and the part of the book we're going to read about is how God's hope and he gives Ezekiel a vision and kind of shares it. And, and uh, just because bad things have happened, good things are coming. And that's kind of the book of Ezekiel in a, in a nutshell. But you should take a look at it. It's really pretty interesting. And today's, today's is not only interesting, but a little bit creepy in a way as well. So um, I'm excited about that. But before we get to it, I've already mentioned college football. But I need to ask a few of you a couple of questions. little spiritual audience participation, if you will. How many of you guys would say that you love Chick-fil-A? Who loves Chick-fil-A? All right, yes. Um, I, I love Chick-fil-A. As a matter of fact, I'm really disappointed that, that I put that picture up there right now because I want one, and I know I'm not going to get one because it's Sunday. Exactly. So um, people love Chick-fil-A. I would have to say that in my rankings of of fast food restaurants, Albuquerque-wise, absolutely, Chick-fil-A's on top. If I were in Phoenix or Los Angeles, it might have to be In-N-Out Burger. But um, Chick-fil-A is delicious. Now, let me see those hands again. I just want to see. I just want to see how many people are, are real, true Christians. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the next one I want to ask you about, I've got to tell you, I love Steak. Is anybody else in here with me loving on a steak, wanting to go down to Texas Roadhouse right now and maybe get a little sweet potato on the side and a nice marbly ribeye, one of those big 20-ounce ones that just adds stuff to your waistline? Anybody? Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, I love steak. And how many guys like it medium, medium rare? Raise your hands. Okay, good. You guys are the real Christians in here as well. Um, because anything beyond that is like chewing on shoe leather. And uh, who wants to do that, right? Um, and of course, this has to be the final question that we ask. How many of you guys love football? Yes. September is so good. It is so good. The, uh, the whole idea of, of what we're going to do next week, we're going to have everybody, if you want to wear football jerseys, even if you want to wear a UNM jersey, that's fine. Um, but it is the NFL kickoff weekend. Wear uh, a polo shirt, jersey, socks, I don't care, whatever you want. We, we're just excited. We want to come together and have some fun. And the funny thing is that it builds some, some fun camaraderie and things like that. I'm not sure if you guys realize that over the last two weeks and, and a little bit into this week, that two of the most unproductive weeks of the work year were the last two weeks. Does anybody know why? Two words. Fantasy football. I'm not sure if anybody in here is into fantasy football, but I know some, I mean, I, I do it, but I'm not quite the, the psycho that some people are, where they, they literally study these draft sheets and all the things. And if you don't know how to do it and you've never done it before, you should at least give it a shot because it does make the rest of football a little more interesting. There's very few times in my life that I'll ever cheer for the New England Patriots, but now that I have Tom Brady as my quarterback, I'm going to have to kind of, I'm just going to have to kind of cheer for that occasionally. Um, I, I just cheer that he gets a lot of points and they still lose. That's what I'll cheer for. Um, but, you know, a lot of people love a lot of things. And you'll walk into work uh, tomorrow, maybe on Tuesday, and you'll walk in. You'll, if you said, I love Chick-fil-A, man, I had a great experience with Chick-fil-A yesterday. We went to Texas Roadhouse. I love steak. I did that. If you walked in and said, I love football, people are going to talk to you. And they're going to say, hey, th- th- that's going to spark a conversation. But what if you walked in on Tuesday and said, Man, church was awesome on Sunday. I love my church. People are going to think you go to a cult. That's what they're going to think. They're going to think there's something wrong with you because people don't love their church. And when they do, they don't communicate it because it makes you weird. And, you know, the funny thing is, is is that's what I want to communicate with you today, though, is that I love what God is doing right here. And I love all the things, even the things that don't seem like they should be lovable. God is stretching us. He is growing us. He is using us. We had a a great morning already this morning. I want to say thank you to all those who showed up this morning for setup. And, and, uh, you know, um, it's funny because Labor Day weekend is probably the one weekend that as a, as a pastor, as kind of the administrator of who's setting up, who's tearing down, all those kind of things like that, you worry about that. Because on 4th of July, I think, I think we had 40 total people here. I can't remember exactly on the numbers of that. And I think we had about here to set up. So um, the, the fact that we had that this weekend, it was just an exciting time, and it's exciting to see you all here and, uh, and want to be here for this. Um, but, you know, I got to thinking, why in the world do people not really say, I love church? Why would, why would that be something that people would say? And I got to thinking, probably because when I was a little kid, I hated church. I don't know about the rest of you. I grew up Catholic. Um, I went to a Catholic church until my parents got a divorce. And uh, all I can remember is stand up, sit down, kneel, say this, say that. And uh, if you were old enough, you got to walk up to the front. I wasn't old enough at the time to walk up to the front to have the priest put something in my mouth and give me a drink or something. And you, Did you enjoy that? No. No, I didn't. I didn't enjoy that at all. And then my, uh, my mom remarried, and my grandfather started taking me to church, and it was a very traditional 
conservative Baptist church, and it was everybody wear ties. I tried to wear jeans one Sunday and nearly got killed. And uh, uh, I had to, the the closest to jeans I could get was corduroys, but they zipped when you walk. So it was it was uh, um, it was one of those things that oh, you know. Uh, I think I've probably told you this story before, but there was the most entertaining thing was the guy that was able to lick his own nostrils that sat right up over here. We sat in kind of a U-shape, um, a U-shape in the way it was, and the guy would sit where I could see him, and he would just sit there, and he would literally lick his own nostrils all service long, and I'd be like, wow, that is so amazing. How does he do that? So uh, there's not a whole lot I can take away from that church. Um, so if you would have said, you know, did you enjoy that? I would once again say, do you enjoy going to the dentist to get a root canal? You know, those are the kind of things. And, and I think that carried over is the reason why some people really don't like church. They're not going to ever say, I love my church. They may still go to church, but it's out of obligation and not out of love for what Christ has done for us. And, and to say, yeah, I want to go and I want to worship and I want to fellowship with people and I want to hang out. And those are the kind of things I want to do. It's instead, it's, oh, no, I just have to go because that's the way it is. And, you know, the great thing is, is, is uh, late junior high, early high school, the church got a hold of my life through the love of Jesus Christ. And I got involved in a youth group that was exciting, and I wanted to go to church. And maybe that's the reason why I became a youth pastor for 12 years, is because, because God knew that there were kids out there that needed somebody just as weird as me that is just as weird as them, to, to relate to them and to be excited with them. And maybe that's why you guys are sitting in here because you're just as weird as me and you want to relate as well. And, and it's all a big connection. And, and I would love to say that there's, there's normal people in here, but you all know the truth. I talked to my dad about it yesterday. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. It's just the plain, honest truth, and that's it. And, and you know that. You've got to know me. You know that's the truth. And uh, the person you're sitting next to, Take a look at them. You know they're not normal. Okay, that's just the way it is. It's just, it's just life. And, you know, it's amazing what, what God has done and, uh, and how he has brought me to the point in my life, and I'm, I'm sure you can say the same thing, that God has done some crazy things and maybe some things we didn't like and maybe some things we did like, but he has brought us to right here, right now, at this very point in time. And the great thing is, is this, is I love the church, and I love this church, and I love my church. And I love the fact that we're here. And I'll tell you all these things that, that uh, a, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago now, I went before I had even had any dreams of ever being somebody who would have a church and a school, um, about being a church planner. I never ever even thought that that was a possibility. Um, I knew how much work it was, and I'm lazy. So I, I didn't want to go along those lines. But God kept prodding me and kept poking me and I went to this conference. It was called the Catalyst West Coast Conference, and Andy Stanley is the one who puts it on, and maybe some of you uh, might know his, his dad, Charles Stanley. Um, Andy Stanley puts it on, great leadership conference and all these kind of things, and one of the speakers got up, and he talked about the condition of the American church, and he talked about the condition of the American church by looking at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, and that's the reason why we are going to be there. So if you haven't already gone to, uh, to Ezekiel, chapter 37, I would ask you to flip to it. Um, do we need to pull up the... The thing again for you guys to be able to find the book if you hadn't already found it. Um, we're going to go through the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 um, this morning. Before I do, I want to pray. I just want to ask God to, uh, to bless our time this morning. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us when we really don't deserve it. And we thank you, Lord, that we can have fellowship together even though we are so different. Even though none of us are a really that alike. But Lord, we, we can be unified in purpose in what you have called us to do. 
And I pray, Lord, this morning as you speak to us that you open our eyes to that. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Now, this morning, like I said, we're going to be reading from Ezekiel chapter 37. And as, as we're reading from Ezekiel chapter 37, I think we're going to find three points about the American church. And three points about why and how we can love our church and how we can kind of bring people to say, hey, you can love your church too and it not be weird. And this is the first one. The first one is, is we have to understand the problem with the church. Because unfortunately, we have problems in our church. We have problems in this church. This is not the perfect church, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. And you know what? As you look, you're not going to find the perfect church. And when you do, and or if you do, stay away from it because you're going to screw it up, okay? So um, there is no such thing as the perfect church. And read with me here in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Now, Ezekiel, I told you, he had a pretty cool ministry. He was the one that got to be the prophet to, the, the, to Israel and, and had a chance to sit and, and, and tell people about what was going on. Well, all these things had happened, and now it was time for it to shift. And as, as we look at Ezekiel, he had this, this ministry going on. He, he probably was very popular. Um, a lot of people were a part of his, maybe, church at that time, even though they didn't have church, but kind of a gathering that he was able to talk to, and people really liked him. And God took him from a place where he was very comfortable to a valley of dry bones. A valley of dry bones. And, you know, um, like I said before, maybe, maybe you don't go to church very often, or maybe you think church is boring. Maybe you were like me when I was a kid, think church is boring. This is a really cool story. So I'm glad you're here today, and maybe you'll get a little bit that church isn't as boring as you thought it was. But um, God takes Ezekiel from a place where he was comfortable to a place that is probably fairly uncomfortable. Because why is there a big valley of dry bones? Well, historians will say that the Israelite army was probably in a fight with another army. And it was two massive armies fighting against each other, and a giant fight broke out. And the Israelite army, probably, um, there's no guarantee on which army is actually all the bones, but at the, in the time and the place of the story, you would think that the Israelite army is the one. They got absolutely slaughtered. And the other army went through. They cleaned them of all their weapons, cleaned them of all their clothing, all those kind of things like that. So you just had a bunch of dead, rotting bodies laying out in the middle of this huge valley. And in the process of all these dead, rotting bodies out there in the, in the middle of this valley, things are going to happen. Animals are going to come, and they're going to gnaw on them to the point where all the flesh rots off, all has been eaten off, and there's bones probably scattered everywhere. And you're talking thousands and thousands of men. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, is you, you think about that, and you think about kind of how gross that might be. And you think about there's bones all over the place. Um, I don't know how freaked out you might be. If God took you from, from a place that was normal and, and comfortable to a place where it was nothing but dead, dried out bones, and, and you're standing there and, and uh, maybe it's dusk and the wind's blowing just a little bit, that kind of, and you hear the rattling of the trees. And, and you know, you're in a, a, a graveyard that's above ground right now of, of thousands and thousands of people. You might be just a little bit freaked out. Well, there's something I want you to take just from that little verse right there, and that is this. God and can and probably will take us to a place that's a little bit more scary in our lives if we're willing and open to let him do it. Second verse says this. He led me 
all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. So God not only took him to this place of dry bones, he had him walk through them. That's weird, okay? That's just a little on the, on the creepy side, if you will. Um, I'm not sure if any of you guys are big history-type Civil War buffs, anything like that. But um, the, uh, my, my dad's huge into that stuff. And anytime we used to go visit him back in, in the West Virginia area, Virginia, we would go and travel around the different Civil War sites. And I'll never forget the time we went walking down. Um, it's the Battle of Antietam. And I'm not sure, like I said, I don't know how many of you guys know Civil War stuff. But Battle of Antietam was the bloodiest day of, uh, of fighting in any, any uh, of the Civil War. 5,500 men died uh, on this. And it was called Bloody Lane because they were literally fighting between two fields and there was a road that went down the middle of them. 5,500 men died here. So bloody that the, the road actually ran with a river of blood. And I'll never forget walking down, uh, down that path. You know, it's set up as a, now obviously everything's clean. It's not quite like what Ezekiel's going through here. But everything's cleaned up. But all you could think about was all the men that gave their lives for this very plot of ground. And they, they died right here 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago. And you, you think about that, and, and uh, all I could think about was how eerie of a feeling that was, and just, just walking. And now God has called Ezekiel to walk among all these bones, all these bodies that were just left. And, and God says, hey, go out and walk around in all of that. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder what was going through his mind as, as he was literally crunching on top of bones probably as he was walking through and, and just like, well, what, what is going on here? And, and, and what is God trying to tell me? What, is he, what does he have me here for? And, uh, you know, as, as, as I look at this passage, I think to myself, could this be considered the condition of the American church? Dry, dehydrated bones just laying around and not serving a whole lot of purpose. Maybe there's somebody in here, maybe you feel like you're dry, dehydrated bones, like, like everything has been sucked out of you. You've given to a church and they've hurt you. Or, or maybe uh, you went to a church when you were young and, and they really turned their back on you or you turned your back on it and you're just kind of dry. Well, if that's you, I would just ask you this morning to keep listening because in verse 3, God asks Ezekiel a question. And I love Ezekiel's answer to it. The question is this, it says, Then he, God, asked me, Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Well, if anybody were to ask you that question, what would you answer in all honesty? No. No, these bones can't become living again. But it's God. And Ezekiel's a smart kid that probably went to Sunday school, so he gives the proper Christian answer. O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth. I'm going to let you take care of it. If you want to do it, you'll do it. If you don't want to do it, then you won't do it. That's fine. Whatever you say. The crazy thing is, is this dead army, this dead army that's laying out there among all that stuff, it's like the Church of America. They were created to go out and take care of business. They were created to go out and reach people for the gospel. And you know what happened? You know what happened? 
they slowly are dying away. They're slowly becoming dry and dusty bones. It was awesome. Uh, I told you I, I had to sit through a, uh, a basic training course for church planting a, a couple of weeks ago, and, and um, I had a chance to meet three uh, Korean guys. And I'm like, what are these guys? I mean, literally, like, been here for a month from, from Korea. And I said, well, what, what exactly are you guys doing here? And they said, oh, we're here uh, in their broken English. We're here to, to minister to the Navajos. We are sent on mission from our church. And talk about kind of a kick in the teeth, okay? Um, because I'm American. That's just the way it is. Americans are the, you know, they're the best. That's just the way it is. And then that's the, the mindset we have. And the American church is the best. And we're the ones supposed to be sending missionaries out. They're not supposed to be sending missionaries to us. That's not right. And yet, did you realize, as I looked through all that stuff, that China actually sends more missionaries to us than we do to them? kind of blows your mind just a little bit. And I think about the book of Acts that we talked about last week. And I think about the book of Acts and that church that was there was so alive and so in love with Jesus and so in love with being together and working together. You know, never once in the book of Acts that I looked through did they ever pray for protection. They always prayed for boldness. They always prayed for boldness. You realize that the, the book of Acts is the reason that that church is the reason why we are and why we do what we do today, they changed an entire culture because they went out and did it. They weren't dry bones. They weren't just sitting there. They weren't just hanging out. And, you know, I want to tell you something. This is a stat that kind of hurt me, and, and I, I throw out stats um, not, to, not to beat you up or anything like that, but I just want you to make you aware of this. Do you realize that the percentage of Americans that attend church on a weekly basis Anybody take a guess on the stat number for that? 17. 17% of Americans attend church on a weekly basis. A little bit higher if you break it down by the monthly basis. It's 42%. At least ten, attend once a month. But what about the, the other 58? What about the other 83? What are they doing? Have we failed as a church? Have we have failed to reach out? Um, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, there wasn't a whole lot of sports that were played on Sunday, first of all. Um, but the few things that were played on Sunday were like the uh, competitive teams, the, the all-star teams, those things like that that you, you get invited to be a part of. It's not just a part of your, uh, your payment thing. I remember I got invited to be on a, on a Little League uh, traveling team. And my parents said no because it played on Sunday. But I, I talk to friends all the time. Oh, hey, we're going to miss this morning because we have this. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not bagging on anybody for the decisions they make, but what, honestly, do we teach our children when we say you playing in Little League is more important than you getting to know God better? or coming closer to God, or being excited about that. And why would they, why would they want to choose between church and, and sports when sports is so much more exciting most of the time? I told you, when I, when I was in, in, uh, in school, uh, and I, I just didn't like, I was really, really glad when we had soccer practice on Wednesday night so I didn't have to go to Awana, okay? I was so excited. You can't even imagine. I, I, I was 
I mean, I was the one voting for Wednesdays instead of the opposite. And, and that's just the way it is. We, we don't want to be a part. We'd rather do something else. Why is that? We, we feel that church is an obligation. Well, I think there's, there's three reasons to that. And, and the three reasons why we, we put other things in front of church is, number one, there's a misunderstanding about what church is. There's a misunderstanding because people don't understand what church is all about. And last week, I talked about it. I said, people say that I love Jesus but don't love the church. And I talked about it last week, like I said, uh, because the reason why they don't love it is because it's full of hypocrites. It is full of hypocrites. And I'm going to completely and totally agree that the church is full of hypocrites. And thankfully, God's grace poured out on us just like it did on everybody else. And that he still loves us just as much. And yes, the church is full of hypocrites, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, I think I even mentioned last week, uh, if you believe the church is full of hypocrites, guess what? There's room for one more. Come and join us. You know, that's the, that's the mentality we need to have. Um, there's other people that say, I, I know Jesus, but I don't need the church. I know Jesus, but I don't need the church. I love God, but I don't need the church. When somebody says that, it's like saying, yeah, I'm married, but I never go home to my wife or my husband. Yeah, you, you might have a relationship there, but guess what? It's not a very good one. It's not a very strong one, and it's going to suffer. The third thing is, is I can't find the perfect church. And I've already told you this. You're not going to. You're not going to find the church, perfect church. We have our own problems right here. I mean, honestly, look who God called to lead it, okay? Uh, once you look past that, you're like, okay, I already know. Yeah, we got plenty of problems here. And I started kind of writing down some of the problems, and maybe the reason why I wrote it down is because I just wanted to make it clear and evident that I, I understand our problems, but I also can look past them because I know what God is doing, and I know how God works. Um, You know, we've tripled in size in three months, which is great and exciting, and and I love that fact. But anytime you grow that fast, it's like when I was in junior high. I I was 5'8 at the end of my eighth grade year, and I was 6'2 at the beginning of my freshman year. Um, I had some problems trying just to walk straight, okay? Um, And uh, and that's the way a church is, too. When you grow like that, there's going to be problems that come out of it. Uh, We're asking people to come exactly as they are. That is, that is what we call people to do. Come exactly as you are. Guess what? If you ask people to do that, that's what's going to happen. And when that happens, you're going to have a whole, whole lot of different people that are in here. You're going to have people that have never been to church before, the unchurched. You're going to have people that are de-churched, that went to church when they were young, and as soon as they got out of the house, they're like, I am not going back to that again. I'm not going to suffer through that again. We have people that are desensitized to church, that have been in church since they were born into the nursery and have been in church forever. So everything that happens and everything that that, every message that comes out is, oh, I don't need anything from that because I've already heard that or whatever it is. We get those type of people. We get people who just love the church. We get people who are here because somebody forced them to be here. We get people that are non-Christians that are just opening up to the, the gospel. We have people that are, are new Christians that are, are just hearing God's word and are hungry for it and are wanting it and wanting to be a part of it but don't even know where to start at. And, and you know, the, the, uh, I believe it's in Timothy where, where Paul writes to Timothy and says, hey, there's people that, that need to feed on the milk and there's other people who need to feed on the steak. And, and you know, those people who are feeding on the steak, they need to, to learn to let the milk go and they need to eat on that and they need to feed themselves and those kind of things like that. And then there's other people who just can't do that. I mean, you're not going to give a baby a piece of steak. At least you shouldn't. If you are, we need to talk afterwards. Uh, and you're not working in the nursery either. Um, you know, we have, we have Christians who are, are immature, just like a, a teenager-type immature that, that would like to have uh, 
that next set of responsibility but aren't quite ready for it. And we have others that are ready for the responsibility. They just don't want it. It was funny. I was watching a video this week, um, and it was talking about men and, and the culture of men. Do you realize the average video age playing uh, for a man, the average age for a video age playing man? 35. That's the average age, which kind of blew me away just a little bit, although I like to play video games, so it didn't blow me away too, too much. Um, and then the other thing is, is do, you, do you realize that one out of every four men between the ages of 18 and 30 still live at their, home, their parents' house? Yeah. And I was looking at that, and I'm thinking, yeah, there's a reason for that, because they don't want the responsibility of the other things that come with it. And, and you know, those are the kind of things we have within the church. Those are the kind of people we have within the church in their spiritual maturity, not just in their physical maturity. And then we have those that are the mature Christians. But it takes all sorts to make up a church. It takes all sorts. And I'm glad that each and every one of you are here. And uh, the great thing is, is after we go through this one month to live, we're going to do a six-week series. After that, we're going to do a 10-week series through the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians is really all about unity in purpose in the church. Unity and purpose in the church. Not unity and conformity, that we all need to be the same, but unity and purpose, that we all understand exactly why we're here. So I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, as, as we look and see... The church isn't perfect, and the reason for it is because we are the church, and we are not perfect. There's some things we're working on. There's some things we're excited about, and I want you guys to know this. Um, we're working on a new believers class, and if you have questions about that kind of stuff or if you have questions about it and we haven't started that class yet, please come and talk to me. I'd love to help you however we can. We're looking to constitute as a church, which means we're no longer, we're, we're, well, I shouldn't say we're no longer. We, we're going to move from a mission status of First Baptist Rio Rancho to a, an actual church, you know, with 501c3 and all those kind of things like that. We're looking at partnership and membership. A lot of you have come up and asked me and said, how do we become a member here? Well, we don't because we don't have any of that stuff yet. You just come and help and be a part. And, and as we grow, we'll get to that point. Um, like I said, we're not perfect. And we don't need to be perfect. But one thing we do need to be is patient. And, and we're working through those things. And uh, we're looking to make a few connection group changes, uh, some things with that. And uh, even this morning, we are talking a little bit. I, I've been talking this week. Uh, I'm hoping and praying that, that God grows us big enough that eventually we have to move over to Cleveland High School because we can't fit here anymore. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, they have a 1,200-person um, performing arts center. Let's go ahead and pack that bad dog out too. Why not? Let's just have some fun with it. Um, but, you know, that won't be our, our first step. They have a black box theater over there. It seats 200 to 300. And we're just going to grow and, and allow God to go where we're going. And, and some people will say, well, do you have a five-year plan? And I'm going to tell you, no, I don't. I don't because God's constantly changing uh, he, he has the vision there, but the plans to get to that vision are, are constantly changing. And uh, the vision is to reach this community for Christ, and that, that's what it's all about. And how we do it is however God leads, because this is not my church. This is God's church. I didn't plant this to say, hey, I need my own church to do this and do the things I wanted to do. I did it because God called me to be here, and this is God's church. Matthew sixteen eighteen. I'm not sure if you know that, that verse, but it's where, uh, where he's talking, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock I'm going to build whose church? God's church, my church, he says. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church here. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is that, uh, going back to the misunderstanding part, do you realize that over 3,000 churches will close their doors this year? I, I don't know about you, but that, that, uh, that kind of gives me some goosebumps and some tinglys. And, uh, and I, I just don't understand it. Uh, completely, but I understand why. 
And the reason for it is because the story and glory of the church becomes more important than the story and the glory of God. And uh, we can't let that happen. And, uh, you know, those churches, those 3,000 churches, they started for a reason because somebody was given a passion, somebody was given a vision, somebody was given a mission, and people came alongside of them, and somewhere along the way that changed. But I'll tell you right now that our life, not just every Sunday, but every day of our life is a mission, and we're reaching out, and I'm so glad that you guys are here because I consider this a mission trip every Sunday. You know, I know that, that a lot of people think, oh, well, I have to go to Mexico or I have to go to Brazil or I have to go someplace for a mission trip. But we're going on a mission trip every Sunday. And we're reaching out to people that don't know God just as much as the people down in Brazil that don't know God. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what's going to happen. But that, I told you I'm going to give you three reasons why the, the people choose other things other than the church and misunderstand the first one. The second one is laziness. Laziness. The American church is full of lazy people. And I will be honest with you. I'm right up there on the top of the list. Um, God did not call us to attend or just be a member of the club, but he called us to belong and to take ownership and to partnership together. This stat that I'm going to throw out there is the one that has made me the sickest of all the stats that I have seen out there, other than maybe uh, every one out of one person die. That's the only other one that might bother me a little bit more. But um, the, uh, a recent poll found that 60% of American Christians felt no obligation to share their faith. No obligation. And that bothers me. Because if you or I came up with a cure for cancer, would we just keep it? No, we would get it out there and see people's lives change and and people become healthy and, and living once again. And we have the cure for spiritual cancer, which is Jesus Christ. And so we need to get out there and we need to share that with people. Because I really feel that the reason why that 60% of Americans don't want to share it, the fault is mine and the fault is yours. Because we're just not excited about who Jesus is. We're more excited about college football than we are about talking about Jesus. We're more excited about talking about Chick-fil-A than we are talking about our church. We're more excited about talking about those kind of things than we are about who God is and what he has done in our lives. The third thing, I think the reason why people don't want to come is obsession with image. Obsession with image. We have raised a bunch of rule followers that love the rules but don't really love Jesus. We have. have, And it's just that. And, you know, I will tell you this. We judge people in church, their holiness, by what? The clothes they wear. Who's the most spiritual man at a traditional Baptist church? The guy with the nicest suit on. That's right. Yet he could be the absolute worst wife abuser, cusser, swear, whatever, all the things that, that fall in line. But if a guy came in, I guess the best way to illustrate it is is, is a Mac, MacBook and those things. They really nailed the, hit the nail on the head with the, the Mac versus PC, and the PC has the full suit on, and the, the Mac is the guy wearing the zip-up hoodie and things like that. That's kind of the way we are in the church. We feel that the best thing is the one that's the best dressed, but it's the one that, that loved Jesus the most. And we can't judge that by what they're wearing or, or how, they're, how their physical appearance is. It, we judge it by their heart, and it's not even our job to judge to begin with. And, you know, uh, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says, and the Lord says, These people say that they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by memorization. That's it. 
Sometimes we just think, well, as long as I know the rules, that's, the, that's it. That's all I have to do. So there's an obsession with image. Now, I told you there's three things that we need to learn from the Scripture. Uh, the first one was the problem with the church. The second is the people of the church. The people of the church. And you know what? I love the people in this church. I really enjoy coming to church this morning. I was excited to see people. I was hoping to see people first, and then I was excited when people were actually here. Um, and, uh, and, you know, th- those are the kind of things that, that you just get excited. You, you want to shake people's hands. And, and I kind of talked about last week, there's day- days that you don't feel that way. You, there's days that you just have that fake smile on. But this morning, it wasn't that way. And, and I really do love the people of the church. We're not perfect, but we're here because of the mission. And uh, if you've only been visiting here uh, today or maybe just for the last couple of weeks or something like that, I can almost bet the reason why you're, not, the, what, the reason why you're coming back isn't because of me. Um, I, I wouldn't come back because of me. Uh, and, and so I, I look around and I say, well, what's the reason why? Well, the reason why is because there's people that are over here working with your kids and investing in the lives of your kids. And there are people that are, are volunteering to come in here and, and be a part of this and, and and I keep using the word volunteer because that's it. They, they want to step up and they want to be a part. And, or maybe you are saying, hey, I wasn't able to be used where I was at, but now I want to be used. And, I, and this is the place where I know I can be used at. And I know God can use me and I know God's going to work through this with me. And, and I look at that and, and I just get so excited because there's so many roles that get unnoticed, but they do them anyway. You know, Kirk, I'm going to call you out. Um, sorry, buddy. I got to do it to you. But Kirk, he, Kirk is faithful and being here to set everything up, I think you've only missed one Sunday, and, and you asked permission from me to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, it, I'm so excited. He gets in here, and he sets everything up, and he's, he's the one that kind of leads the charge with that. And, man, I came in this morning to help out, and I was worn out. I didn't, didn't want to do it anymore. I, I'm sure thoughts go through your mind, and thoughts say, uh, I, I don't need to go in today. Somebody else can do it. I just don't want to be there and, and those kind of things like that. So I appreciate you, Kirk, and every other volunteer. I'm just calling Kirk out, but every other volunteer, I appreciate you so much and the things that you do and bringing this together. And if you want to be a part of that, we have plenty of roles that, that uh, people can fill into. So please talk to me about those kind of things. But people are understanding the call and they're answering it, that it's not about setting up church. It's about reaching a community. It's about reaching out for people. And the reason why Kirk comes in at 8 o'clock isn't to please me, but it's because God has called him to do that, to reach out to people, and he feels a part of that mission. Verse 4 tells us in Ezekiel chapter 37, it says, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones, and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of God. So you now have, we can go back to the story, because I've talked about a lot of things since then, but you now have Ezekiel who was in a comfortable ministry, God took him out of that comfortable ministry to let him to a valley of dry bones. While in this valley of dry bones, God now has him walking around out there. And God asks him a question while he's walking around. He said, hey, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, well, God, you're the only one that knows the answer to that one. And, and then uh, God says, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to preach to these bones. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There are a lot of audiences that I don't know if I'd really want to preach to, and a valley of dry bones is going to be one of them. And, uh, and you know, th- there are, are different <laughs> groups of churches that I have been to. It seems like that that's what the audience is, is a valley of dry bones. They're just sitting there, and they have their arms crossed, and they're looking at their watch, wondering if Luby's is going to still be open by the time I get done. And, um, you know, that's, that's the mentality that we have sometimes when we walk into church. But this is what 
Ezekiel is called to do. So guess what he does in verse 5 and 6? He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So he preaches this. He preaches this in verses 7 and 8. He says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. As suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. Okay, that just stepped into the next tier of weird. Okay, you start preaching, and it's like... And you know that there was probably some bunch of wolves and stuff that carried a bunch of bones way, way off into the somewhere else, and all of a sudden, the, you know, it comes flying across the sky. It says, the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Would anybody else be just slightly freaked out? I might be like, you know what, I'm done. I don't need to preach anymore. I need to leave is what I need to do. Um, But things came together, and then it says, Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. That's weird. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a weird thing to be witnessing. All these things coming together and all that stuff. But how awesome would it have been as well? Because God said, hey, if you do this, then I will do this. If you are faithful with the little things, I will be faithful with the rest. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. If I tell you to do it, just do it. I'm God. I know what's going on. Ezekiel very well could have said, God, these are bones. I can't preach to them. But he did it. He did it. And weird things started happening. Why? Because when you preach the word, when you preach the word of God, it doesn't return void. That's why. When you preach the word, people start coming to life. Sounds like a good thing for the 21st century too, doesn't it? When you preach the word, people start coming to life. Being a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk in a new life. How exciting is that? I mean, literally, how exciting is it to see all this life coming together? He's preaching to dry bones, and they come back to life. Do you have any dry bones at work? Do you have any people that are completely and totally dehydrated of the gospel, of the water, the everlasting water that that Jesus talks about uh, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman? Do you have maybe a neighbor Do you have maybe somebody at home? Do you have maybe somebody that just doesn't have that, that are just dry bones? And you keep saying, you know what? There's no way. There's no way they're going to come and know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. Do you think that it's so impossible for your neighbor to come to know God and come back to life than it is for dead, dry, nasty, dirty bones that are scattered across an entire valley? I mean, in all honesty... When you use that as an excuse, it was like uh, yesterday we were talking about inviting some of our neighbors and and Camden was like, well, um, I don't know if they're going to want to. And I just said, you know, Cam, I said, you're really good at this. And Camden is. Um, And I'll tell you another story about Peyton. Camden's my oldest, Peyton's my middle. But um, Camden's really good at inviting people and and seeing their needs and things like that. And and it's very evident even when he's a nine-year-old. And uh, he's like, you know, Dad, I I don't know. And I said, Cam, let them say no. Don't say no for them. And, you know, I think that's what we do a lot. We automatically say no for them. Well, it's not possible. It obviously is possible. God brought back to life dry 
dead bones. I think he can bring back to life your neighbor or your family member or your co-worker. We can't use that as an excuse. It's funny. Um, also this week, Christy was at Walmart and, and Peyton, Peyton was there with her and, and Maylee was there and they're in the oatmeal aisle. My kids eat oatmeal religiously. And uh, they're in the oatmeal aisle and the lady was asking Christy, uh, there was a lady who walked up and said, oh, do you guys eat this oatmeal? And they're like, oh, yeah, the kids love it and so on and so forth and, and keep kind of going through. And Peyton just out of the blue goes, hey, maybe you should come to our church. <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe the lady's answer when Christy told me. It was, oh, I don't think so. I'm like, how do you say no to a three-year-old kid that looks like that? I mean, honestly, you know, you, you, you can't do that to a kid. At least say yes and don't show up. I mean, but, uh, but you know, it, it's just cool to, to see kind of things like that. And, and I've heard other people come up and tell me, say, hey, you know, we're really, really excited about being here. Our kids love it. And that is probably the, the best compliment for me is that the kids love it. And, and once again, that goes back to the volunteer teachers and that goes back to those things. And I'm so excited about it. And, uh, and you know, I look at those things and, and the last thing I want to tell you about is, is not only the, the, the problem and not only the people, but the potential. The potential that is there, because you know, um, you know, at the beginning, uh, at the four seasons—football, uh, basketball, baseball, hockey—at um, the beginning of the four seasons, people get really, really excited about what their team's going to do. They get really, really excited about the potential, about what is to come. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I am excited to. To, to see what the Packers are going to do. Probably I'm so excited they're going to fall flat on their face and I'm going to be completely and totally embarrassed this year, but that's just, that's just the way life is. But the thing is, is that are we excited about that with the church? Because I am. I am so excited to get into this one month to live and to see people bringing their friends and, and be a part of this and inviting people. And, and you know, after that, as we, we follow up with Philippians and we get into that and that, that takes us through the year. Who knows where we're going to be come December? Who knows? Who knows what God's going to do? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And the, the really cool thing is, is, is that I look at, I look at where, where we've come from. And uh, our first real meetings were back in October. And I think we had eight at our first one. Uh, maybe nine. Katie, you were there, weren't you? How many people did we have? Do you remember? Yeah, eight or nine. And, uh, and you know, there was, there was just a couple of people that were there. And then the next one, we were at 20. And then we kind of got up and we were 40, 50 and kind of doing that. And it was exciting to see. And we came here and, and things kind of went up and down and around and all kinds of stuff like that. And now we're just, we're just having a great time together. And I would love to say we've made it. We've reached our mission. We hit 140. And we didn't, we didn't below, drop below 100 on, on Labor Day. So we, are, we have done it. We have reached it. We are at the pinnacle of Paragon. Welcome to the final day. You know, I, I, I can't say that. I can't. That's not the way it can be because there's so much potential. And, you know, I, I, I laugh because I think, what if Ezekiel were like, man, that was amazing. Did you see that? All those bones came together and then flesh and stuff all came, and muscles. And, wow, that's awesome. But his job wasn't done. Anybody know why? There's still no breath in him. There was still no breath in him. So he continued on in verse 9 and 10. He says, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life, and they stood up on their feet. A great army. And I highlighted a great army on there because I wanted you to see that. Because it doesn't say a great audience. It doesn't say that, 
that God called Ezekiel to go out and preach to the masses, and he gathered a great audience. Because what's the difference between an audience and an army? An audience sits on the sidelines. An army fights the battle. You know, back in the Revolutionary War, that, uh, before it really got going, and even in the Civil War as well, they actually had bleachers and stuff on the sidelines to watch because it was just kind of an entertaining thing to begin with. It was, uh, hey, there wasn't TV, so, and we don't get to watch the History Channel, so we're just going to go out and watch real live fighting. You know, probably a little bit better even than MMA. You know, I don't know. It, uh, and they all sat and they watched and they did all that stuff, and that was, it just became, oh, this is part of it, and then it became real. And it became real. My question is, is where are you? Has, has this become real where you want to reach out, where you understand what Paragon is doing, what the church is here for is, is to reach out to this community and see people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Is that where you're at? Are you a, are you a spectator? Or are you a person who's participating right in the middle of it all? I want to challenge you this week to be a participator. Somebody who is asking people if they want to come this weekend, say, hey, you know what, I, do, I actually do like my church. <laughs> Call me crazy. I actually enjoy coming here. I en- actually enjoy being a part of this. I actually enjoy, the only thing I really don't enjoy is the fact that it's always hot in here on Sunday mornings. And I'm just praying for winter to come, and it, when it's hot in here, it'll be nice. Um, but, you know, everything else I'm just so excited about all the time. And I hope that you are too. I hope that God has challenged you. I hope that God is using you. And I hope that this week that God has laid somebody on your heart to invite to this one month to live. Somebody that doesn't know him as as Savior. I'm not asking to go to another church and say, hey, guys, your church isn't quite as cool as mine. It probably isn't. But I don't want you to say that. I'm not trying to steal people from other churches. I want to steal people from the devil. Okay, That's where I want to take people from. And I hope you do too. I want people to come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. I want to see them get baptized. I want to see them come as they are. I want to see them changed by the love of God. I don't want to see them want to go change the world. I don't know where you're at and all that, but I'm praying that you're making the steps.